0: to paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases
1: of murder. Murder. Ghosts. Legends and law. With a healthy dose of scullying. Or debunking. Yeah, although apparently we should be careful if we're calling it scullying now. With a C. S-C-U-L-L-Y. Like Gullion Mulder from X-Files. Yeah. That's the reference. That's the Everybody reference. If did not know, that is the reference that we constantly make. And if you don't know, you have homework, go watch the X-Files in its entirety. Um, or just watch the first season. I mean, all of it's great, but I really think it, it depends it? on who you talk to. Watch the first season. Okay, fine. Anyway, <laughs> anywho, we have a really fun episode this <laughs> week. <laughs> <laughs> so... Is everyone named Vlad? <laughs> no, everyone's Damn not it. named Vlad this week. Uh, Damn it, I apologize. Gabby. Most, a lot of people are named Sarah, but you know, that's not as exciting as Vlad. Just not as much There's fun n- to say. Then just go back and listen to Vlad, etc. All the Vlads in the last the Blads. episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should because it's great. Um, but this episode... I have actually been wanting to do this topic for a while. I think since we started the podcast, yeah, no, I've just been waiting for the right But this episode is about Sarah Winchester and the Winchester Mystery House. So I actually was inspired uh, by this story a long time ago, and uh, I actually was able to go to the Winchester Mystery House last June. So June 2019... I called that year my spooky touring year, where I got to go to lots of spooky places and it was very fun. And that was when traveling was a thing. Yeah, so hopefully at some days? point in the future we can do it again. But before all of this wildness that we have in, in our worlds right now, uh I went to the Winchester Mystery House with my boyfriend Terrence for our birthday trip. And I hate to break it to you, and I apologize to anybody who lives in San Jose. There is nothing to do in San Jose. Um <laughs> Like we literally went there and we were there for a, like one night, got an Airbnb. It had no air conditioning and it was oh. 100 degrees. Ugh. This is in Ugh. June, right? So it's 100 Ugh. degrees in northern nope. California in the nope. valley.
0: Nope. Nope. It was nope. so nope. awful. Nope. 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 Um
1: nope. and if you are just so used to living with air conditioning and then you decide to go on a walking tour of a Victorian house during a hundred degree weather know that one they don't have air conditioning inside, and two heat rises, so it if you does. keep going higher up in the house, you keep getting more schwitzy, so it was a really sweaty moment in that tour, but it was a good time and i've always been intrigued by the Winchester mystery house I've wanted to go there for many years, and this time it actually just happened to work out and you know, being who I am, I generally like to research things before I go to places. And you I, did, did you research this before you went there? No, actually, this was, I I, I want to give a, a disclaimer that normally, like right now, if I had gone right now, if this had been this point in time, I yeah. would have done all of this research before going because Kim Douthit has trained me very I've well,
0: trained you well. Um,
1: yes. But at the time, we were just getting started on our podcasting adventure oh, and so that was uh that was still the a ghost days yeah right? that was when we were doing a ghost stories and that wasn't really when we got like deep dive into our research mm-hmm. and so i just knew the ghost stories and the stories the lore the legends that you see on like tv shows on the discovery channel so I actually uh, saw this often on our favorite show, Kim's favorite show with her favorite host, Zach Bagans, Um, Ghost Adventures, I know. But um, watching it, it, it's, I mean, there are lots of eye roll moments, obviously. Um, And I watched the movie with Helen Mirren (laughs) recently.
0: God, God, that movie's awful.
1: I know. Talk about fiction, am I right?
0: Well, also Jason Clark is a charisma black hole.
1: He is, he is, he is where charisma goes
0: to die. Like if Helen Mirren, who is amazing, if, if Helen Mirren can't make a scene with you interesting,
1: if you suck all the charisma out of Helen Mirren. I mean, it says a lot. The movie is not great. Um, I will tell you that, but I will tell you that I did eat up all the lore. So if you don't know, I know we're talking about the story as though, you know, this story, which some of you may know this story. I'm going to give you a Cliff Notes version of... The Winchester story. She was a widow left with a fortune due to the death of her husband and her child. She actually inherited the Winchester Repeating Arms Company from her husband and his family who owned it. And she went to a medium seeking help as she mourned her loss and was told that she had to move across the country to build a house to protect her from the very angry spirits of people killed by the Winchester rifle, which was owned by her husband's family, and that she could never stop building as long as she lived. So she built this weird maze of a house, seemed to go on forever with lots of oddities like stairs going up to the ceiling, a door that opened up to a 12-foot drop outside, and random iterations of the number 13 throughout the house. So either the house or the woman or something was up, but something was haunted, apparently. And the only way of her dealing with it was to continue to build. Either that or she was fully off her rocker or her cheese had slid off her cracker. You know, one of those. Or, you know, maybe she just haunted now. Who knows? But that's kind of like the story that generally you hear about the Winchester Mystery House. And it's super weird. It's unlike any house you've ever seen. And so, of course, either way, I had to go visit and see it for myself. So... We go on this trip, and of course, I had to bring my ghost hunting uh, tchotchkes and my, my gadgets that Jake mm-hmm. would be, ghost daddy, would be very proud that I did this. Although, you know, looking back at it, I kind of feel like a bit of an idiot, but you'll understand why in a bit. So, of course, I had to bring my stuff with me. I had my EMF detector. EMF. yeah, Electromagnetic
0: field detector, for those of you who uh, have not heard the term before.
1: Exactly. And I even had my thermal camera, which was actually, it's really cool. It's this little dealie that you like connect to your phone and you can use your phone to take video or pictures with uh, temperature. So it shows temperature with color. So because it was like 9 million degrees in this house, like everything, (laughs) every single picture is like bright yellow or red. That makes sense. Um, Which is funny looking back at it. But if I post any pictures on our Instagram of that, you'll know why it's so hot. So then I did some research after going and I have just wanted to know more because, you know, when you go on a tour of a house like this, you might think like, oh, they're leaving something out or they're embellishing something. A oh, la, I, I always think that. Mm, Myrtle's plantation is the first thing that I think of. So, and if you haven't listened to the Myrtle's plantation episode, you should go listen to it because it's relevant to what we're talking about today. In researching for this episode today, I really wanted to learn more. So I actually read the book that I borrowed from Kim and ended up giving back to her and then she got it for me and now I read the whole thing. The book is called Captive of the Labyrinth, Sarah L. Winchester, Heiress to the Rifle Fortune by Mary Jo Ignafo. Although I really was questioning as I was reading it, did Kim have a hand in writing this? Was this written by Kim Douthit? Because it sounds like a very scully perspective where it's actually pretty cool the way that she puts together the information. She gathered all the documents having anything to do with Sarah Winchester. Mm-hmm. So like from the the library, from any kind of source she could get it from having to do with her finances, her family, her attorney, Anyone who was associated with Sarah Winchester had records of Sarah Winchester's life. And so Mary Jo Agnoffo took all of that. And I would assume wanted to debunk the myths and the legends and lore that we now know of the Winchester Mystery House. So uh, prepare yourself to be debunked. So... Having said that, I'm going to be referencing my experience of like visiting it, visiting the place throughout. So as we talk about it, I'll give you a little bit of insight. I'm also going to be like telling you the lore and then fact and kind of going back and forth between. So that way, you know, what is being told versus what is actually true and we'll differentiate it and go through it together. So let's get some background. Sarah Winchester. I could not find her actual birthday, actually, which is kind of interesting. Nothing uh, specified the actual year that she was born. So she was born sometime between 1835 and 1845. She was born Sarah Lockwood Pardee, and she was the fifth of seven children of Leonard Pardee and Sarah Burns. And Leonard Pardee was a carpenter, and that's where she learned a lot of her Knowledge on architecture and carpentry growing up, and he was super hardworking, and so she really learned her work ethic from him. She also was super smart, she was a, a child prodigy. she spoke Latin, French, Spanish, and Italian by age twelve. Oh wow, which is wild and very impressive. She also was a little woman, a little lady. she was very petite, and I think this part's funny, so she was not even five foot and maybe a hundred pounds at her healthiest. And for those of you that don't know, both Kim and I are 5'1". We are short, people. short um, people. And when I went to the house, parts of the house were designed specifically for her. And so a lot of other people could not fit into those places. <laughs> but guess who could? <laughs> that was fun. So anyway, fast forward. September 30th, 1862, Sarah married William Winchester. He was the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, and they lived in New Haven, Connecticut. Oliver Winchester was William's father, and he actually owned 50% of the company and helped financially support the growth of the rifle company after purchasing it from its inventor. Fun fact, he did not invent the rifle. Somebody else invented it, and he was able to acquire it through a few legal dealings Mm -hmm. and prior to owning the winchester repeating arms company he sold shirts so they just made a bunch of shirts they were in like the retail clothing like business and then decided i you know i'm gonna switch it up and Mm -hmm. uh, whatever sells all right so the winchester rifle let's talk about it so it was the gun that quote-unquote won the west because it could kill more people faster than any other gun preceding it it could shoot up to 15 rounds without being reloaded so this was kind of a big deal uh, not a lot of other people had access to this kind of stuff and it was high demand mm. however this gun also was responsible for murdering a lot of people specifically I mean, you, you could you could say that just about guns just, well guns in general for sure (laughs) but I think when you're dealing with guns that like shoot off one you could just shoot one bullet at a time and then you have to reload it and then you have a gun that can shoot 15 times
0: that's true but but by this time in the 1800s uh most guns fired more than like this wasn't the 1700s where you had to reload the musket by sitting there like shoving stuff down like it you're right no it, it fired more but it also wasn't like we were dealing with the first gun ever for sure
1: exactly (laughs) it's not the first time people were dying from a gun let's just say that like what's this magical boomstick boomsticks it's a multiple boomstick but multiple boomstick it does multiple booms multiple multiple moitas primitive screw heads who knew Eh, who knew but a lot of Native Americans, unfortunately, died at the hands of this gun, um, especially with the westward movement and manifest destiny. What she said. So on July twelfth, eighteen sixty six, Sarah and William had a daughter. They named her Annie. The sad thing is, is she only lived a month. Mm. So the she died. Then was not great. No, and she actually had some like pretty severe health issues. She died of marasmus, which oh, is oh, that's nasty, pretty brutal. If you don't know what marasmus is, it's defined as a severe undernourishment caused by an infant or child's weight to be significantly low for their age, which usually means it was probably below sixty percent of what it their
0: just, average. It's a weight wasting disease. I mean, yeah. it's.
1: and not for not because you know sarah winchester did anything wrong like it just it's just the child had a disease and it was was very unfortunate unfortunate. and so this death really really affected sarah fast forward 1881 oliver winchester died suddenly that's her father-in-law right and when he died suddenly william then inherited the entire company but William had actually been suffering from tuberculosis for a while oh oh, he had the consumption he had the he was consumed a few months after after his dad died he died only a few months later yikes and so Sarah is now sitting with the death of her child her husband and her father-in-law how far apart did uh their daughter die and then her husband? Annie was born in 1866. And then. Oh, okay. Okay. So a significant father, amount of time went yeah, by. Yeah. 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 Okay. So some time went I wasn't by. Sure. I didn't really get a lot of information of what happened in that time. It mainly had to do with the development of the company and not really relevant to Sarah Winchester, particularly. No, I mean,
0: she was probably doing what wives did in the yeah. 1800s.
1: <laughs> Although I will say that Sarah was a very unique woman in her time. And I'll get to that in a bit. So that way you guys can get some perspective because it's really interesting. So when her father-in-law and her husband died she was left with an inheritance of 20 million dollars damn that's, that's 20 million then then yeah Holy balls. 20 million in 1881 i mean that's what would that be like 500 million today like how much is that actually you're not that far off it's like 581 million today Damn. <laughs> and nearly 50 percent of the winchester arm stock was left to sarah <gasps> no she, wait, there's more she earned that's an obscene amount of money and this is why Sarah Winchester had so much money. So she actually earned a thousand dollars per day just in royalties. For and the this rest is get eighteen hundreds a thousand dollars
0: a day in yes. eighteen eighty one.
1: Holy God! Um, high unemployment. I know, right? Can you <laughs> get me this money because I would live a really comfortable life if I. Had I this. Can, I have some arts
0: organizations I'd love you to donate to to pay my bills. Amen, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah! Um, if I, if I pull up my Ouija board now, does that, maybe. Does that count as signing a you check? You
1: know, I feel like you got to hear the rest of the story before you rely on a Ouija board, though. Yeah, you know my feelings on Ouija boards. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so anywho, this is where shit starts to get weird. So allegedly, allegedly Allegedly. let's talk Uh about some of that lore Uh, so Uh after her husband's death apparently Uh he started hearing voices calling her name every day
0: wait is that is that not
1: normal uh you know right now i think it's normal for anyone because we've all been quarantined for so long but at this point she just was dealing with you know the loss of family and people she loved and maybe they were ghosts who knows so there's this book it's called Prominent American Ghosts, and it was written in 1967. <laughs> <laughs> what is their criteria that makes them prominent?
0: Like, do they, do you, <laughs> do Damn, you have to... I can't, I can't even, like... Prominent? It's it's uh if if they apply, do they fill out like an application to become a prominent ghost? And when they read the application, they're like, oh man, you're just not prominent enough for us. Um, you're gonna have to do a little bit more haunting and build up your ghost resume before you can be a part of this.
1: You know, maybe who knows? You should ask Susie Smith because Susie Smith wrote it in
0: 1967. I'm I'm sending Susie Smith Susie, an email. Excuse ask me. her. Find out. Let me know. how I'm going to find out if she's still alive or if... See, because I don't know. If she's not still alive,
1: is she a prominent ghost? No. <laughs> she made her, her own irony book. Might be that she's not prominent enough to be a prominent ghost in her own book. Anywho, Susie Smith wrote a book called Prominent American Ghosts in 1967. And in this book, she said that Sarah went to visit a famous Boston medium named Aaron Coons, and admitted to him that she felt a presence around her after her daughter died. And then once her father-in-law and husband died, she felt even more of a presence and then started to feel like she was cursed. Okay, so Coons told her that the karma of the gun is haunting her. I'm sorry, the karma of
0: the gun, the gun as a as its own spiritual being. Which one? All of them? Just one? I mean,
1: who knows? Um, of all of the guns, the, the karmas, plural of multiple guns, are haunting her. And the voices of the spirits told her through coons that quote thousands of victims who have been massacred by the winchester rifle were haunting her
0: um as a as a as of the side susie smith passed unfortunately in 2001 um is she a prominent guns she she didn't make the cut <laughs> she's going to haunt you now so sorry susie <laughs> so
1: I'm, I'm going straight to hell <laughs> yeah you are um, <laughs> so coons told her In order to pacify the ghosts, she had to sell her home and move west, and then continue to build onto a new home and never stop for the rest of her life to protect herself from the vengeful spirits of the dead, and that she'd be guided by the protective spirits of her husband and others if she did so. And apparently, the sound of saws and hammers would drive the bad spirits away you guys kim is losing it right now i don't think you, this is a, an audio meeting <laughs> there she goes
0: okay wait i have, I have so, there's so many things <laughs> to touch on i can't even it's an overload i can't pick just one <laughs> okay go for it okay so first of all are these the, the in in this in this world in this world we're talking about the ghosts like uh, hiring a wagon to trek on after our friend Sarah Winchester. Wait, do, do they, ghosts need to have a wagon? Do they well, do they take the Oregon Trail? And if they take the Oregon Trail, can they die of dysentery again? It's possible. Like, what happens if their wagon gets stuck in the river? Oh my god. What do they do? What if they lose their oxen? <laughs> what are they gonna do, Gabby? What are they gonna do? Hey, our
1: younger listeners are not gonna have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> they, they
0: educate themselves <laughs> because the Oregon Trail. I'm I'm looking now at the camera to address the children who were not watching me, the Oregon trail is to be respected. (laughs) So these, these, these ghosts, these, these ghosts. Yeah. And apparently,
1: you know, they were scared of saws. They're scared of the saws and hammers that would drive them away. I mean, it drives me away. (laughs) So why, I mean, even if you were a ghost, you'd be driven away too. It I would mean, drive away like, most people. When they're doing work in my building and the saws and hammers start, I'm like, I hate you all. I'm going. Well, the irony of the situation is that Sarah was a total recluse, which we're going to talk about in a bit. So that would actually make sense that if <laughs> not only is she driving away the ghost, but she's driving away her neighbors. So, you know, maybe it works yeah. out. But also that would drive me crazy. Yeah. that drove me bonkers all day long. Like,
0: I suppose it's a really big house. So in theory, it's not She could not be on like, the other
1: side of the property and not it's even here. true. She it.
0: could be on a stairway to nowhere and she'd be fine. All right. Exactly. That's fair.
1: So speaking of stairways to nowhere, uh, the odd features of the home were designed in order to confuse the spirits, supposedly. <laughs> speaking of which, the door to nowhere... There were stairs that led to a ceiling. The door opening up to an open space inside of the home with no floor. These kinds of things apparently were designed to confuse. The stairway to heaven, or oh, or that, or the stairway to hell. Don don don.
0: Oh no, that's at my grandmother's house. <laughs>
1: So if the house was built like a maze, apparently the ghosts wouldn't be able to find her. So that was the whole theory These are behind some pretty it. Pretty dumb ghosts. <laughs> so that's the lore. So let's get shit straight, okay? Shall we? I, I feel like you're really, really wanting to get it straight. So let's talk about the facts. Here's some facts. Hard cold facts. Okay. Hard cold facts. I'm getting the Italian hand, it's happening. Quote. An examination of Boston City directories from that time reveal a list of spiritualists, but none by the name of Adam Coons. Hmm, who knew? Also, scholar Emily Mace searched several years' issues of the Banner of Light, the most important spiritualist periodical published in Boston in the late 19th century, and there is no record of this medium, Adam Coons.
0: I just appreciate that there was an important, like, record. There was some kind of record record of all these mediums that people took somewhat seriously that's well here's that's the thing as you're itself. thinking
1: about like the the mid to late 1800s this is when uh, spiritualism blew spiritualism. up Spiritualism, no it's and it true was that's true thing. And this, so was, this was legit it spiritualism i mean, it wasn't, wasn't legit but it was legit <laughs> they thought it was legit at the time anyone who was involved in spiritualism was legit and it yeah. was not something looked down upon either at that time it was something that was respected so of course i mean it might sound funny and silly today, but like if you're looking back at it, of course, that's why they have records. Well, I mean, and, we
0: have the Miss Cleo
1: days. You know, you can't win them all. So there also is no record of Sarah at any point in time visiting a medium, let alone having a seance with one. Uh, my, uh, now, my only question
0: there is, would there have been a record?
1: So a lot of the records have to do or having anything to do with money and money Mm -hmm. exchanging has to do with her like business manager and her attorney and those two guys documented everything and that's why she was like
0: paying in cash like petty cash kind of thing okay yes they
1: documented like she was so crazy about her business and Mm she ran her business in such a like responsible way that that's why she had people that she had hired to help Manage and maintain everything, so there were documents based on everything she spent money on at all, and there was no document about her paying a medium at any point. Okay, fair, so there's that. Um, she had actually visited San Francisco many times with William prior to his death, and part of the reason they visited there was because they had an office for the Winchester arms sales there. That makes sense, and on a trip to the West, they stopped in the Santa Clara Valley and admired it and that's technically where San Jose is now is the Santa Clara Valley. So it reminded them of a place that they had visited in Europe and it was much warmer there. So, quote, when William Winchester died, Sarah Winchester's health was affected. Her doctor prescribed a change of climate and a Mm. vigorous hobby suggesting that she should develop her latent interest in designing. Winchester found the climate in California quite agreeable and was able to take her doctor's advice and work on architecture and interior design
0: all, all at the same time like
1: all yeah in man the same
0: room everything she's everything. like I'm just putting it all
1: every, every piece of architecture I can think of I'm gonna put into this house and you know her doctor also suggested that her health would improve if she lived in a drier and warmer environment
0: well, so uh, yeah, I'd buy that. that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that's why my parents don't want to come to Seattle ever. No, My no, I mom mean, has arthritis, and it's, like, it's why so many
0: people, it's so many people retire and move to Arizona or move to totally. Florida or whatever. Or like, like no, that makes complete sense. As you yeah. as you get a little older, you apparently like heat. I don't understand it myself. I think it's weird.
1: I agree, but uh, to each their own. Totally, and so. Santa Clara Valley was actually 30 miles south of San Francisco and 20 miles east of the ocean. So it was 20 to 30 degrees warmer than the Bay Area. For us, that's like a wool kind of situation. But for someone who likes and prefers the heat and is being told by their doctor to be in a warm environment, this is an ideal place to be. So not only did she decide to move there, but she also purchased other homes in that area, hoping that her sisters and their spouses would follow, which ultimately didn't really work out in the long run but let's talk about but bonus homes bonus homes well she was really big on purchasing places fixing them up and then getting rid of them she was like the fixer upper
0: the the early days of house flop
1: hgtv would have had a fucking field day with Winchester. <laughs> so let's talk about the main house that we're talking about here the winchester mystery house let's talk about the house so in 1884 she bought an eight-room farmhouse from dr robert caldwell and it had 161 acres of farmland attached to it Ooh, it's big cool. lots that's of space. Big. That's so big. An- that's another reason why she liked this area is there was a lot of undeveloped land there oh, um, that makes- and that was a good time to buy yeah totally So she hired 22 carpenters to build upon the farmhouse, and it was built at a price tag of $5 million in Mm -hmm. in 1923. It was, yeah, so money. So anyway, she named the house Yanada Villa, which means the house on flat land in Spanish, and it was named after a particular space in Europe where she had visited with her husband, that reminded her of it
0: so because otherwise that's a remarkably specific way to name something <laughs> the house on flat space
1: flatland yeah flatland. well yanada was the original like first name of the city or the area that they saw in europe and that's why she took that name and named her house after it yanada via via i can't via. say it yeah via. yanada via yeah is not what the house is remembered as. (laughs) So that is fair. (laughs) It is actually known as the Winchester mystery house. And I have to use this as a reference because in doing my research, of course, I had to go to the Winchester mystery house website because I'm curious to see what is the information that they put on there. I've been on their tour. Exactly. So I wanted to see what kind of information they had on there. So We're going to be comparing some of the information that I found to some of the information that they have on their website. So Mm -hmm. their website is super vague with the story, but it states that the house, quote, could only be described as the world's longest home renovation, stopping only when Sarah passed on September 5th, 1922, end quote, which technically is not true. So according to Ignafo, quote, Sarah was annoyed with the slow process of construction but it is also clear that she routinely dismissed the workers for months at a time to take such rest as i might
0: oh so so she was constantly being like i need a break from
1: this uh go out for a month give them a break let them take a break she actually really cared about her workers and didn't want them what's that like (laughs) Right? I know. But she didn't want them like burning themselves out. And so this flies in the face of claims by today's mystery house proprietors that Mm -hmm. work at the ranch was ceaseless for 38 years. Mm. So I don't know how credible the Winchester mystery house website is if the information that they're providing directly is the Georgetown morgue website is. So I'm sorry to break all of your hearts, but don't worry. I will break them some more. So just keep on listening. Break my heart, Gabby. I love I know. it so much. That's why I knew Kim would love this break episode it. so much. So my favorite thing is that there's actually a part on the site that says, quote, these are the facts, which I thought was very funny. And I was laughing when I found it. Is, is, so, there, is their definition of facts the same as ours? <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is they chose to say these are the facts in the section where they were talking about the interior, which... To be fair, you really can't dispute how many doors are in a place, and it's not as important as most of the other information that they're, like, skewing. So let's talk about the interior of the house. Originally, 600 rooms were built over 38 years until her death, But now only 160 rooms remain due to the earthquake destruction in 1906 and 1989, which I'll talk to you a little bit about the destruction in a bit, but I want to go like in sequential order for you. So the home was um, built on 24,000 square feet. It has 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 52 skylights, 47 stairways and fireplaces, 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, six kitchens, three elevators, and a partridge in a pear tree. So it was (laughs) enlarged, uh, actually, in the first six months of construction, they actually built 26 rooms just in the first six months, which I thought was, like, pretty wild. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. This is a quote, she did not work with a full set of architectural drawings, but sketched plans space by space, whim by whim. The result was a maze of halls and rooms and foyers and parlors connected by doors and windows and porches and verandas. Dozens of countries were represented in the adornments of the house, German chandeliers, Austrian art glass, English wall coverings, Asian furnishings, and French paintings. She really loved quality. We had nice things in this house. And something that I thought was really interesting too is that she liked to attend different like world fairs. And whenever there was a world fair and there was an artist, she would acquire whatever like statue that that artist had. Oh, that's cool. And incorporated it into her house or her like yard, (laughs) her yard, her garden. garden. Yeah. So she actually had a really specific eye for taste and was honestly you could tell that she liked nice things well and and if if she had an interest in interior design that makes sense also makes sense and plays into it yeah totally and there was one area. So now we're going to get into like what the house looked like. There was a, an area that has switchback stairs with limited height. And this is what I was talking about where I was like, I fit in there. Um, when you're on the tour, it actually allows you to actually take regular stairs, which are next to the switchback stairs. The switchback stairs are literally like two inches tall. Like each stair is two inches tall. And the reason mm-hmm. why they're so short is because she had really severe arthritis, And it was really hard for her to go upstairs. So this was designed specifically for her comfort and not because it was weird. It was designed to make her move around more easily. And there was the ballroom was uh, technically one of the nicest. I think it's one of the most memorable rooms in the house. And it actually was interesting because it's the tallest room in the house where The ceiling was much higher in the ballroom that then intervened into the second floor. So they had to add extra steps to get to where above the ballroom was. So the second floor is like two different levels because of the height of the ballroom. So that's kind of wonky. Um, Yeah, that's a little, that's interesting. But that's a good example of how she built one thing at a time like it wasn't like fully planned out in advance like a a common normal architect would say okay if you want your ballroom to be this tall the other rooms also need to be that tall and that way the floor can be evened out or how can we make the second floor one level um so the second floor actually had multiple levels Hmm. so that's the ballroom it was um ballroom Oh, it's so nice. It actually has one bedroom a one-bedroom apartment. I want a ballroom. Ballroom in your one-bedroom apartment.
0: I don't even... Yeah, that's all I need. Like, I don't need any other rooms. I want to have my bedroom, my living room, and a ballroom.
1: That sounds so on-brand for Kim. But it contained a variety of woods carved and placed <laughs> in dozens of herringbone or diamond patterns and the floor was made of teak maple ash mahogany oak and rosewood and apparently the woodwork was very quote-unquote new haven
0: i was gonna say that's that's some fancy
1: woods she fancy that's what i'm trying to say she fancy she liked nice things so not only did she like nice wood (laughs) a she also really (laughs) loved i have that in common (laughs) I think the three of us have that in common respect.
0: Terrence. Amen.
1: So (laughs) there was an average size uh, fireplace. Oh. (laughs) God damn it. There was an average size fireplace in the ballroom. And on the sides of the fireplace were two art glass windows with Shakespearean Quotes, which I thought I I like Kim would enjoy. Kim likes, and I remember when I saw this the first time. I was really intrigued by the quotes that were chosen because, as we know, Shakespeare was a very unique language in the way it was spoken and written. So it's for like the everyday non-Shakespearean person. Give me the quote. Let's see. (laughs) So the quote. There's two. One of them was, "These same thoughts people this little world." And this is from... That's from Richard II, isn't it? Yeah, good job, Kim. It's from Richard II. What's
0: interesting about that is Uh Richard II is one of the plays that is... It's not one of his, like... Super well-known plays. Yeah, that's an interesting one to pick from.
1: And apparently it's during the section of the play where the king grieves loss of life
0: yeah because i mean the the full play is it's actually called the life and death of king richard ii but it's usually just referred to as richard ii that's a real interesting choice
1: but i mean it makes sense if like she's grieving loss of life like her child died her husband died her father-in-law died like all these people are dying huh And then this also, I'm sure, could give you some insight into people thinking that it might be haunted, but we'll get to that in a second. So the next one is, wide unclasp the tables of their thoughts. Do you know what that's from, Kim?
0: Is that... I want to say Troilus and Cressida.
1: (gasps) Good job! Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, you're right! I really love this part because this is like, let's quiz Kim on Shakespeare! Uh, That is what my grad degree was saying. (laughs) I know she should know. If she didn't know, I'd be concerned. Mm. Um, But this was representing a, quote, consuming personal grief where consolation is elusive and countless thoughts cannot be quieted. So it makes Mm. sense that she would choose these two quotes. From an outsider who might not know Shakespeare, it's a little obscure. And I could see how that might not totally make sense. And I think a lot of people look at it like, random words that have like an underlying meaning that is another language but it's like that's a little off Well,
0: and, and, and I so mean if so something true. if something was meaningful to her too because like I think about because again I am I am an unapologetic Shakespeare fiend um partially because I love words and I love uh Uh, using language in a fun and creative way. And I will definitely say there are quotes in Shakespeare that I find really personal or profound, but if I was to say them to anyone else, it'd be like, huh? Okay. It might be like, what? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, these could have been things that just, that resonated very strongly with her and were very personal.
1: It's almost like a 1800s version of getting a tattoo I feel like yeah, no that's and, actually and a really those. good
0: analogy though yeah. yeah
1: and so this was what she did and she used it and it's on the windows and I actually have pictures of these from when I went so I'll oh, post, post those. Yeah, those yeah for yeah for sure yeah. so there'll be some really good photos on this episode because I went there, you went there. um and it actually that room sported those particular art glass windows, they were Tiffany produced. And at the time, Ooh. you know Ooh. Tiffany's... Mm-hmm. Tiffany's... Uh, was Tiffany glass is legit. It's considered like the Rolls Royce of yeah. art glass windows. Like their... And their
0: lamps and... Yeah. It's
1: fancy. She bougie. We she like bougie. it. bougie. Right? So she, actually there were um, a lot of Tiffany windows found unused in the house once it was being sold later. And... If you go to the Winchester Mystery House, there's a room where all of the windows are hanging and you can see all of them on display. And I also have pictures of those. So I'll also be posting those too. Nice. So the ballroom actually had a safe within a safe within a safe in it. And it was the only piece of anything that was left there once uh, everything was sold out of it after everything was sold. Oh, interesting. you would think a safe would be important, right? Like, there might be money in it. So when they finally got it open, it was only holding a lock of hair of her child, Annie, and Aww. a death certificate Aww. of her husband, William Winchester. Aww. So it really was holding what what was near and dear to her heart, but might not have any, like, financial value to anyone else. So isn't that sad? But... <sighs> Moving on, in 1896, a third and fourth floor were added, and in some areas, a fourth, fifth, sixth, and even a seventh story was added, and that was actually a tower. The mansion was designed in a primarily Queen Anne architectural style with a glimmer of Gothic and a taste of Romanesque, but Mm. mainly asymmetrical, which was actually a a pretty big thing in Victorian-era homes. Mm. Um, The original exterior was painted blue, and it had witches caps, which were very popular in the Eighties. I <laughs> want a house with a witch's cap so badly. I know, me I too. i to them around and I'm like, I want to live there. I want to you live there. And actually, I put them in my ballroom? Right? You can have a witch's cap on top of your ballroom, <gasps> yes. but that was the hottest room that we were in when we went on the tour. It was and, the and not chair. like... Ooh,
0: that's hot. No, hot like, like
1: physically I was dying and people were getting lightheaded and had to leave. Not for ew. the sake of it being haunted, but for the sake of it being really hot. 900 degrees. Yes. Um, it was real toasty. So anyway, uh, toasty. there was also a fish scale patterned shingle work around the home, which is... Hmm, that's very reminiscent of Disneyland, actually. I was <laughs> it made me think of. <laughs> when I I remember when we went there, all I could think of was this place is reminding me of Disneyland, and I'll get more into that later. But the actual design of it is very Disneyland.
0: Very Disney. So, she but they had, came first, so technically that means Disney is very Winchester.
1: And you know what? Sidebar: Disney has done such a good job at replicating everything that they do in all of their um, like Disneyland, Disney World franchises, because even going to New Orleans. I was like, it looks like Disneyland. No, so that's true. It's they're just, you know, that architecture is very on point. Whoever did mm-hmm. that, Walt, you did a good job. Well, well played. Well right? done, you. Well done, well, done. well done, Walt. Well done, Walt. And another time we'll talk about Disneyland being haunted, but that's not a story for today. And about that's a story Walt for Disney's another...
0: cryogenically frozen head. Oh, that's
1: going to be a really good topic. Can't wait to talk about that one. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> So uh, another thing that was really cool about the house was that, of course, because Sarah liked nice things, she had to have all the most up-to-date inventions in her house too. So she had electricity, she had a full plumbing system, and she had small water closets attached to the bathing rooms. I will tell you, they look pretty gross now, but I'm sure for the times, it was that was pretty fancy. And those you were the had indoor plumbing. Tiniest. Dude, tiniest bathtubs I have, like, ever seen in my life. She also um, had an enunciator. The enunciator was a rudimentary intercom system. And it was used to, like, call on her house servants. And it allowed for communication across the distance of rooms and stairs. It was actually something that a lot of large homes in the wealthy vicinity in the 19th century had. So it just reminds me of, like, the intercom system at my parents' 90s house. So, uh, but... 1800s and she also I thought this part was pretty cool and really innovative she had a solarium for a dense indoor garden that used an unusual and forward-thinking irrigation system after the plants were watered the excess water fell to the slightly slanted floor and then it was piped down into flower beds so want not waste not you know Mm -hmm. she lived in a valley that was hot she utilized all the water she could and was you know not wasteful Mm -hmm. There was also what some call the seance room and they made a real big deal about this room when I went there and it had light turquoise wallpaper so it has one door in and three doors to exit which they also were like this is a big deal and it's weird and I looked at them like you have a door that opens you can go in and out of it that makes no sense right like that's like immediately the first thing that I thought right um Apparently, that was created to confuse spirits, but Sp- spirits apparently, are known
0: to confuse easy.
1: Also, these spirits must be like real dense because they can't go in and out of the same door. Okay. Well, um, after
0: all that time on the Oregon Trail, it just, really
1: does a number on you. They,
0: you know, the dysentery <laughs> and. Uh, they went hunting a couple times and they kept missing and then the buffalo hit them. And That'll do it. That'll do it. That'll do it.
1: That'll do it. Um, but apparently the exit doors led to secret passageways and only she knew how to navigate through them. So, okay. The
0: power. Okay. The power.
1: There was also only one window in that room. There were a lot of windows mm. internally in this building. And that was also kind of interesting because you don't really see windows inside of houses usually that lead to other rooms Usually, windows oh, only lead to outdoor. Outdoors. Right? No, that's that's
0: true. Like uh, outside of maybe like a kitchen having a open area, into right? The... So that you
1: can see it's like the living room or something. Yeah, no, that that's true. It's, there, there were lots a window of window in the house. There were lots of windows in the house, and this actually. um was because the house was built upon itself and none of the Mm. walls were knocked down in the process of rebuilding oh interesting everything was built around each other and that's why there were so many different like halls and verandas and foyers because they turned that space in between the building Hmm. into a foyer and that's why there are so many windows (laughs) that's
0: a great word Foyer.
1: foyer we don't use foyer enough we, these days. we need more
0: foyers we need more foyers i'm gonna put one next to my ballroom in my one bedroom apartment
1: <laughs> with all the windows with um all the windows. so in the seance room there was only one window but when you look out the window you can see directly down into the kitchen and so a lot of people would say like oh well she would watch her like workers do kitchen stuff and it's like okay that means nothing to me i don't really care uh, however apparently she had seances every night in the seance room allegedly if you will um and that she sat at a round table by herself or so she thought and took notes Hmm. okay and apparently allegedly she could speak to the benevolent spirits there and spoke to her husband and that he dictated what she should build to extend the house to protect her from the vengeful spirits i am sorry you do not need a man to tell you what to do (laughs) especially a dead (laughs) one. Like, girl, take your power back. Come on. So like this kind of annoyed me when I read this, but you can protect yourself from your own ghosts. Okay, but let's talk about the facts. Shall we
0: talk about the facts? I mean, you know how I love talking about the facts.
1: Speaking of facts, seances. Let's talk about seances for a second. They were for the time, right? Like Mm -hmm. we talked about spiritualism. Yeah, yeah, Seances were a big thing. Seances also require more than one person.
0: Right? True that. You should not Sarah. seance by yourself, folks. This is a PSA.
1: Do not seance on No one's solo own. seances. No solo seances. Sarah was a recluse. So she did not have other people in her house doing seances with her. There is literally no documentation anywhere of her having any seances ever. She actually had never claimed to be a spiritualist ever. And had she been a spiritualist, she would have fit in in that time, in that area. Because spiritualism was on the rise. It was common. It was a big social trend in the area. That's how people like made friends. It's almost like how Kim and I became friends. But um, (laughs) there were multiple neighboring women in her neighborhood that were documented as spiritualists. So had she wanted to have a seance, she could have very easily done that. She would have actually been welcomed into that community had she been a spiritualist, but she chose not to be involved and chose not to claim that. So, that's a fact. Read it and weep. Read it and weep, folks. Some also say that the spirits told her how to build her house, and I have a great quote for that. So, quote, to suggest, as tour guides at the Winchester Mystery House do, that Winchester had a solo seance in an interior, mm. in an interior closet of the house misrepresents the social nature they called the seance room a closet. Well, like a medium's closet, though. Right, but they're just not even saying that. They're calling it an interior closet. Of Um, the house, misrepresents a social nature of the ritual and misunderstands Sarah Winchester. Her desire to work was the root cause of the structure and floor plan of her enormous house. Her interest in landscape design, horticulture, architecture, and woodworking found satisfaction in her sprawling, ever-changing property. She did not need input from the spirits. So There's some some shade in that. (laughs) There's so much. This is the shadiest episode I think we've ever done. So (laughs) apparently also there's a numerology connection to the house. And the number 13 apparently is encoded in stairways, bedrooms, bathrooms, wall panels, whatever you can think of, 13 is there. There's even uh, 13 light bulbs in the light fixtures and in the stained glass. So um, I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. So remember that. Put that in the back of your mind. There's also the symbol of the sun that was used. Okay, maybe she just liked the sun. I'm just saying. The thirteen.
0: she is living in a place that regularly gets over 100 degrees.
1: And the sun makes her happy and warm and it makes her feel good because of her arthritis so maybe she just likes the sun but 13 technically in astrology represents the sun and in the entry gate there are two suns with 16 rays on each you're gonna love this are you ready for this some have said that the two 16s represent the year that shakespeare died Mm.
0: i mean she she is down with her shaky spear
1: but that is the most ridiculous claim i have ever heard
0: (laughs) it seems it is it would be that what I would so call
1: a stretch, but I mean, he did die in 1616, so ch- sure. But you have to dissect the suns on the gate to figure that out? Like, come on.
0: There's some work involved that does yeah. seem, I mean, I feel like if you look at anything long enough, you could find a connection to Exactly. Yeah, I agree.
1: So let's talk about more facts. Yes. Many people were blown away at Winchester's project, but hey, fun fact, it was very common for people, especially women, to build upon their own homes, especially mm-hmm. in a Victorian, quote unquote, quilt-like style at that time. It's just that nobody talks about it and many have never had this type of perfect storm situation backstory to bring them any attention. So one mm-hmm. person named Elizabeth Colt was in Hartford, Connecticut and had invested years and hundreds of thousands of dollars on what one historian called her, quote, a rambling, asymmetrical pile of smooth-faced brownstone <laughs> well wow. so, you know she wasn't alone Wow, other people also did that and only her niece daisy and her servants lived with her and daisy moved in in 1890 she was like the only relative that sarah had that she was very close with she kind of saw her as her own daughter mm-hmm. she was her uh, sister bell's daughter mm-hmm. and okay Sarah Winchester's staff of employees hailed from Denmark, Japan, China, Ireland, and California, and they all kind of grew into an unlikely community. Everyone very much respected Sarah, and even after her death, nobody said anything bad about her. So... Hmm. You can kind of tell that she had a nice little community inside of her home. Right. And a lone newspaper reporter suggested rather realistically that the house, quote, is merely a workshop and the structure itself is a collection of notes taken by a woman of great wealth while educating herself in the architecture of several countries. So... Part of the reason that she kept building wasn't necessarily to house more guests, but maybe to keep people away because she wasn't very anxious to have any visitors. So I don't blame her. Her and I have that in common. We all have that in common, I feel like. (laughs) So (laughs) there is this perception of Sarah Winchester, and there is this public disdain for successful women that we Mm. see Mm -hmm. in the past. And this really helps mold the story that we've heard so far about Sarah Winchester. Mm -hmm. So she was really reluctant to appear in public. So of course, people would question why. She's not like other women. Why doesn't she want to be in public? Part of the reason that she was not a social person was due to how self-conscious she was. She always wore a veil in public because she actually lost most of her teeth
0: And her hands
1: and feet were deformed, riddled with horrible rheumatoid arthritis. And she barely had any usage of her hands and arms by 1903. Like she physically could not move. That's why I was talking about So that's sad. There were lots of things that she tried. She tried homeopathic remedies for Mm -hmm. pain. She had really severe insomnia too. So I would imagine that would have affected her mood. Right. And sidebar, you're really going to love this. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Her personal physician was Mm -hmm. named... Euthanasia! Oh my God, no, no, no! You're lying. You're lying. Swear to God, it's a lie. That is the best name for a doctor I have ever heard. That deserves yours. a drink. Cheers. Euthanasia, take a shot. um The name of the day goes to euthanasia. euthanasia. So apparently, euthanasia would make many house calls to Winchester, and she was one of the only working uh, women doctors in the area. So I thought that was actually pretty. Oh, so cool. wait, I'm sorry. With euthanasia was a woman. Yeah. She was one of the only female doctors in the area, so like clearly, I'm gonna
0: now name my non-existent firstborn child, girl child, female child, euthanasia. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. Doctor, I think that's a- euthanasia. That's gonna <laughs> be her first doctor's name, doctor. First name. <laughs> middle name, Eutha. Uh, last name, nasia. <laughs> you know what we and do? And then for, second uh, last name,
1: Douthit. <laughs> so. Sarah was really protective of her money and only let her close business associates and direct relatives close to her. They're the only ones who really knew anything. And that's why we have these sources.
0: Well, I mean, if if I was as wealthy as she was, I would probably be pretty paranoid about people's motives.
1: Oh, totally. Like, you can't blame her for that. Well, she just generally didn't want to be around people. And oh, I think a lot of that it either. had to do, though, with her self-consciousness, too, and being judged. Yeah. So... But that didn't help because her neighbors actually tried to be kind and neighborly to her when she first moved into the area, but Mm -hmm. she ignored them. Like, full stop, ignored them and never talked to them. Mm. So that gave them ammunition to start whispering Mm. about how weird she was. So... Mm. Cor and
0: I have that in common with our neighbors.
1: I mean, same. (laughs) (laughs) Winchester fueled gossip and criticism by refusing to participate in society after about 1900, by ignoring the press, by limiting dialogue with neighbors, and by shutting Mm. herself out from the world. To the local people, she was an enigma. They did not know what to make of her, and eventually they just made fun. Aww. I know. People in the town spoke to newspapers about her. Terrible idea. Which sparked literal fake news that spiraled into the stories that we hear today. Hmm. In 1895, newspapers began printing commentaries on Sarah's eccentric mansion. Hmm. And about eight years, this is about eight years after the construction started. So, quote, looking at these articles from an era known for yellow journalism, we should not Hmm. be surprised that the truth was stretched to entertain at least as much to inform. And if you Hmm. don't know what yellow journalism is, it's based on sensationalism. Yeah. And really horrible exaggeration. Just think Um, of Fox News now. Yeah, I mean, don't get me started. But it's a whole other topic. Yeah, that's a totally different episode. So um, when she refused to talk to the press to answer any questions about the house, the press took it into their own hands and decided to embellish speculations. And uh, for example, they decided to say that she feared bad luck if she didn't finish the house, and no one said that ever. But you know, media.
0: Yeah, um, media.
1: It was like a really bad game of telephone, and it just kept going. Mm. So, quote, Winchester's refusal to participate in society contributed to her misunderstood personality, but gun money coupled with silence, at least in the eyes of the press, added up to a mysterious misfit. She actually had the opportunity to earn public admiration at one point Mm -hmm. when two U.S. presidents visited the area, McKinley in 1901 and Roosevelt in 1903. Both of them admired her home and fortune, but she didn't even open her doors to them let alone invite them to stay with her. So uh, she was judged, therefore, a lackluster citizen for ignoring such high-powered visitors by her papers. You know, people are just awful. So papers then identified her as superstitious, snobby, afraid of death, Mm -hmm. that she felt guilty about the deaths caused by the Winchester rifles, there it is, and that she was a spiritualist. So literally everything that they're talking about is like not true. Uh, She actually had some friends come out refuting the claims, but of course people will believe what they want to believe. If the story is more exciting, they're going to perpetuate the more exciting story. So, quote, whether for her politics, her physical attributes, her religious uh, practices, or her personal lifestyle, but the turn of... The 20th century, Sarah Winchester was considered an obsessive and superstitious dowager. Ooh. That's a good word. word, dowager. Yeah. We
0: don't use that enough these no, days. I
1: feel like we've got some good words in this episode that we need to We really do. With. We got a drinking game ready to go. Hey yo, I'm going to get real hydrated. Um <laughs> oh, yeah. when newspaper articles suggested that she was a spiritualist, I love this. She actually started to receive a ton of letters, like thousands of letters from all over the country asking for money or for spiritual favors. So let me just take a break here and just make an analogy. This would literally be like asking Dana Scully to find your sister who was abducted by aliens via a letter and then ask her for money simultaneously. Wow. How offensive. Wow. So speaking of money... We have a new phrase for this episode. It is, don't fuck with Sarah's money. Don't fuck with Sarah's money. Take a shot. Yep. She was opinionated when it did come to speaking to people, but she only really spoke up when it had something to do with her money, which fair, Mm. you know, if she's in the situation that she's in. That's legit. It's legit. She generally remained uninvolved in politics, but in 1902... Someone named D.F. McGraw was running for county assessor. He accused the current assessor of giving political favors to the wealthy, specifically Sarah Winchester, and misassessed her property worth. He said that her property was only worth $650 when it was actually worth in total $80,000. Slightly off. Slightly off slightly off a little bit a little so bit. She, she did not like this very much and uh, she wrote him a letter and this letter was later published in a newspaper quote strongly rebuking his statement in which she claimed that she was the target of his criticism and that he quote should have acquired this information before dragging her name in, into a political campaign in order to help him out in his craving for office damn So this candidate probably had seen a newspaper story about a reclusive widow Winchester and didn't think she would say anything, but um, she did, and needless to say, he didn't win. So when she wanted to talk and say something, she did, and she dug a grave for a person, you know, metaphorically, and dropped them into it. So, you know, she was sassy, but she actually was also a philanthropist, if you didn't know. She often donated money to organizations anonymously and didn't want her name associated with it because she didn't want anyone to look at her negatively. Um, so she actually donated to the Save the Redwoods campaign, which established California's Ooh. first state park. Oh, and I, did not, that, I did not know that. That is yeah. fucking cool. Isn't that awesome? She also was an animal rights activist in person and her <gasps> niece Daisy was super supportive of animal rights too, which I also think is a little bit ironic being from like, a gun fortune
0: if you're well, hunting, yeah, but, but it's but... she married into the gun fortune so i mean i i kind of give her props for y- you marry into a family you marry into a fuck ton of money i've said That's fuck true. a lot this episode That's I'm okay, sorry. So did I. I think it's cool that she you know she married into a situation but then she said these are things i'm i'm passionate about these are things i believe in so here is money towards them like i yeah. i respect that
1: I mean, she didn't stop there either. A lot of women um, at the time actually wanted their names associated with things because they wanted recognition as a woman. I don't blame Um, them. I get that. I I hear (laughs) you. Sarah didn't care about that as much. She just didn't want her names associated with anything. She just wanted to do something nice and leave it at that. Um, She actually was... uh, speculator who gave away a great deal of money but no one knew about it and as a result she was viewed as a miserly female money grubber a combination that didn't exactly make for good press uh which just added fuel to the flames but another great thing that she did sidebar and I just had to share this because even though it's not technically relative it's good to know uh she felt that the worst thing that ever happened to her in her life was tuberculosis because it's what took her husband away from her and so she uh helped open the william Wirt winchester hospital in new haven which is where she was from Mm -hmm. and it was a tuberculosis hospital and literally out of all of the total contributions put into that hospital that made it work half of it came from her which is wow. wild. Like wow. That's a lot of money. And I have so, like, mad
0: respect for her, man. She
1: just sounds she awesome. kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. And like people just had this, they just had this reputation for her that was so negative and just associated with like stupid stuff. When in reality, she was such a rad woman who did so many cool things and really supported like people's health too, which is kind of awesome especially as someone who had so many health problems herself so yeah seriously in 1906 there was the san francisco earthquake it was right. a 7.8 right. it's the worst in the state's history
0: yeah
1: and more than 300,000 people died now in 1906 dollars the property damage was more than 500 million dollars <sighs> like i don't even know what that translates to but that's a lot of money, uh, like because that was five hundred million
0: in nineteen oh six. Nineteen oh six. Oh, yikes! Yeah, yeah. Let's just go with yikes. Yikes!
1: But there was <laughs> yeah. also the San Francisco fire that was absolutely uh, um, yeah, and, and, and yeah, wow. So it was pretty brutal. So no one really talks about how it affected the Santa Clara Valley, though. So the Santa Clara Valley, Mm. as we said earlier, it was 50 miles south, and 200 Mm -hmm. people died there. And this part's pretty Mm -hmm. sad. More than half of those people came from the Agnew Asylum for the Insane, which is a four-story building that collapsed, trapping doctors and patients. Oh,
0: that, that, like, physically hurts to think about.
1: It's super awful. So it was just not a great year. (laughs) I can relate. Uh, a little different um but there's no documentation for which home sarah was actually at during the earthquake um formal documentation at least uh she had a handful of homes in the valley she actually had a boathouse and a home in san francisco she lived in the boathouse for a handful of years after the earthquake because of how terrified she was of the earthquake (laughs) um but We don't know where she was specifically when the earthquake happened because there was a lapse in communication with her and her attorney for the span of 10 days between April 7th and I think the 18th and the earthquake happened on the 18th. So now the Winchester Mystery House on the tour tells you. That she was there and that she was trapped inside Daisy's room uh-huh. and that part of the room collapsed uh-huh. with her inside of it,
0: I'm and sure that she was
1: traumatized.
0: Uh-huh. But there's I'm traumatized by this.
1: <laughs> right? There's literally no evidence or documentation to support that claim. So, however, there was very severe damage to the Winchester mystery house due to the earthquake. So let's go through it. The seven story tower tumbled, uh-huh. leaving a gaping hole in the third level most of the chimneys fell either to the ground or through roofs the third and fourth floor additions were completely destroyed they were wrecked um affected sections were crumbled beyond repair and it is said that to this day they are finding sections of the house that have been blocked off due to damage from the earthquake and are you ready i'm ready i have a spoiler (gasps) alert for you spoil me gabby spoil me the weird stairs that go up to the ceiling, right, were actually caused by a closure of floors due to the earthquake damage. Oh, seriously, seriously! I the didn't door, know that. the door to nowhere that opens up onto the floor and has a yeah. twelve foot drop, yeah, used to lead to a balcony that was destroyed in the earthquake. That's cool, and. Any other doors leading to nothing had something that it previously led to, with the exception of the door in the floor. There's literally a door in the floor in this area surrounded by windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually added later after Winchester's death, in addition to a handful of other weird oddities that can't really ex- you can't really explain the reasoning behind it. So, quote, according to Daisy's husband, Fred mm-hmm. Marriott, Winchester herself thought that the post-earthquake house, quote, looked as though it had been built by a crazy person, end Mm -hmm. quote. (laughs) Mic drop. Sarah Winchester herself said that the way that the house looked after the earthquake, due to all of the destruction and what she had to cut off and not fix, Mm -hmm. looked like it was built by a crazy person. (laughs) So ironically... This is a quote. Her decision to leave the house as it was after it was damaged caused the most enduring and damaging turn in the labyrinth of legends. Sarah Winchester was deemed a madwoman because her, of her pessimistic and recalcitrant reaction to the earthquake. Articles about her after the earthquake proposed that only someone who was insane would refuse to rebuild. And since she did just that, the wealthy widow Winchester had to be certifiable. Wow. So, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you Seriously? fix it, you're crazy. If you don't fix it, you're crazy. She <clears throat> was actually associated with angry ghosts at that point, and suddenly she was associated with the occult after the earthquake, too. Mm-hmm. So, let's just keep adding on to it, shall we? In 1908, a newspaper claimed that Winchester planned to, quote, brave the wrath of the spirits and sell her palatial villa. The story was the first to mention any angry spirits, even though Winchester had previously been tied to superstitions. And this particular article was the basis of future ghost and spirit references in any print. Wow. So by 1910, the rumors spread that ghosts dictated her purpose of building upon all of her homes. However, quote, neither Winchester nor any of the new owners ever reported paranormal activity. Hmm. At this point, construction on the mystery house had ceased due to her failing health. And the only thing that was added at this point was an elevator in 1916. Every other work that was done was just maintenance. So one of her, her main manager of her finances, Frank Carroll, died shortly after that. His Mm -hmm. wife and children were very fond of Winchester. And Sarah actually bought them a house and took care of them after his death. Mm Mm-hmm. Quote, years later, they were among those who were deeply disturbed when her house was declared haunted and turned into a tourist attraction. So, fast forward. September 1922. Sarah is not doing so hot. Her body finally shut down from years of rheumatoid arthritis pain and destruction. Mm. As she was close to death, she sought company from her doctor. This is a different doctor. This is not the same one. This is not euthanasia. This is Clyde Wayland, who was the son of her previous doctor. Uh-huh. and some claimed that she was seeking Im- immortality, but uh-huh. those around her during her death did not find that to be apparent at all, and Wayland thought that the press was mean-spirited toward Winchester, pun intended. She died on September 5th, 1922, at age 82. The cause of death was myocarditis, which is chronically weak heart. Mm. And Wayland recounted that she was mentally alert until her death, but was frozen in her arthritic state. There is no evidence that the Winchester Mystery House tour script is correct when it claims, quote, the house was three quarters furnished at the time of her death and it took the movers eight truckloads a day for six and a half weeks to empty the house, end quote. So, you know, she passed away. They had to do something with her house. And on September 8th, funeral services held in Daisy's front room of her home. And it was the hottest day of 1922. So mm, dead body in front of your home was the hottest day in 1922. Clearly, San Jose gets pretty toasty. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah was eventually transported with the body of her sister, Belle, because Belle had passed away before her, Mm -hmm. and escorted uh, by Daisy to be buried in a plot in New Haven. And most of Sarah's will named Daisy as her benefactor, and in defense of Winchester and her reputation, Frank Lieb, who was her attorney, mm-hmm. and his son stated in 1925 that, quote, Miss- Mrs. Winchester was as sane and clear-headed as a woman as I have ever known, and she had a better grasp on business and financial affairs than most men. So, you're not even going to let her sit in her grave. Of course not. For nine months before somebody comes along and wants to make some money and create a circus of money-making from a mystery house. So the mystery house opened as an attraction nine months after Winchester's death. Quote, over the next 50 years, the house's subsequent proprietors embellished the tales until they were institutionalized as gospel. John H. Brown is to thank for that. He acquired the house, named his company Brown's Winchester Amusement Company. He actually worked in amusement parks for most of his life. He created a roller coaster that went forward to backwards and supported Mm. lots of different amusement parks and saw a lot of money in it. And had been to a location that had a quote-unquote mystery house. And so when he saw that the Winchester Mystery House was uh, for sale, he saw it as an opportunity. Mm. So he bought it and... On May 20th, 1923, it opened. It was after his ownership that we saw the 13th bulb placed on the 12 bulb chandeliers and additional inexplicable addendums to the house were made. And the first mention of the number 13 was not in print until 1929. And after that mention, it has been in every single reference to the house published.
0: Rage face. Rage face.
1: Right? I told you I was going to scully this. I'm fully (gasps) scullying it. So it gets better. In 1924 the Browns invited our friend Harry Houdini. He visited during his nationwide spiritualism lecture tour to debunk séances and reference the Winchester Mystery House as an example of how spiritualism can make a person insane. I hate people. That makes me so mad.
0: <laughs> I hate people.
1: Now, I know I mentioned earlier that the the Winchester Mystery House has a Disney air to it. Whoever made it a you know, amusement park situation after Disney opened, clearly went to Disneyland, went on the Haunted Mansion ride, and then basically replicated the Haunted Mansion and the gift shop as what it is today as the Winchester Mystery House. And I
0: mean, I will say, like, if you're putting it out there as a this is for entertainment only,
1: I have no problem with that. But... That's not what they did. That's not what they did. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Myrtles Plantation did the same thing. They talked about this haunting and this person that li- lived, and there was no evidence of that ever. So it's very similar in that sense. I think what's frustrating is that Sarah Winchester is still identified as Sarah Winchester, and her name has been totally like messed up over the years because somebody wants to make a dollar. And a lot of people were upset by that, actually. Um, for, former employees were upset by the capitalization on fraudulent information, but it didn't stop the rumors from, from happening and from the mystery happening. And that's why I ended up going there one day to visit, you know? Be upfront. Like, nobody goes to Disneyland and thinks the Haunted Mansion is real. But when you
0: start throwing things around as fact, and you were using the word fact and telling false stories, I have a problem with that.
1: Well, that's the thing is that like, when I looked at the website for the Winchester Mystery House, I was so blown away by like, this is facts, no. um, but I have also a big problem with that. The thing is, is there's also the history. There's the true history. And Mm -hmm. then there's what you choose to portray and what you choose to make money off of. But I kind of, for lack of a better analogy, wanted to take the head off of the character that's walking around Disneyland for you and show you that there is a person inside of that idea of who Sarah Winchester was. But there's not... It doesn't stop there. There's more to it. Obviously, like... When you have a house that's that old, there might still be energies there. It might actually be haunted. But oh, maybe not much, in yeah. the way that you know, the the rumors made it sound to be haunted. But speaking of ghosts, I want to tell some ghost stories that are associated with this. All right, tell because, some ghost stories. You know, Something that I always like to ask people that work at places that are giving ghost tours, I love to ask people, like, what experiences have you had? Have you oh, yeah. ever experienced yeah, yeah, yeah. anything? Definitely. So there's a couple stories. One of the stories is a worker was working on a ladder and he felt someone tap him on the shoulder. When he turned around, nobody was there. Okay, mm. I, I could also say that maybe it was a bug or something, I don't know. But it a but, lot of
0: things, but or yeah, maybe
1: it's... True. Let's go Sure. Now, there's this tour guide. Her name is Samantha. And this is an, mm. in an article I read. So I don't know how corroborated this is but i want to read it anyway because i think it's interesting she led some visitors into daisy's bedroom and samantha was about to begin her spiel when a very clear sigh came from the small hallway outside of the bedroom door thinking one of her guests had merely fallen behind samantha turned to call the person into the room but didn't see anybody then her eyes adjusted to the darkened hallway Then she saw something, the form of a small, dark person slowly emerged, gliding around the corner. Samantha quickly stepped around the corner again and saw nothing but heard another deep sigh. Mm -hmm. She felt sure it was the tiny form of Sarah Winchester herself, perhaps peeved to find the people in her favorite bedroom. Maybe, who knows? Now, when I was on the tour, there's a photograph that they share that someone who was visiting took and they blew it up and put it on a poster in one of the rooms and they Mm. ask you to look at it they zoom in on it it's very similar to the myrtle plantation situation and this photo is allegedly sarah winchester it's her apparition looking out of the window and you can see it from standing on the front lawn looking directly at the front of the building and it's in one of the windows on the left second or third floor and they say that you know there was no tour in that room at that time. Technically, the room that we were standing in when we saw this picture and this poster is the room in which she technically was standing in. And they ask you to look at it, think what you want to think, but this is, they, they think it's a ghost. We could scully that too, but I'm mm-hmm. just going to leave it there for you. Think about Then there is also talk of an apparition of a worker who is supposedly seen pretty frequently. And he apparently died in an accident at the house. And Mm -hmm. he is seen as a man in white overalls who is generally seen with a wheelbarrow, particularly in the basement. So Mm -hmm. when we were in the basement, that was the only time I got any kind of spooky vibes. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was because it was nice and cool because everything else was 2000 degrees. But it was kind of weird vibes in the basement. Um, And I generally feel energies. I don't really see stuff as much, but I feel things. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I felt. I had my EMF detector out. Uh, There was no phone reception at all in the basement. It was Mm -hmm. all concrete. And there was no electricity down there at the time. Mm -hmm. So they had like some lights, like battery-powered lights on down there, I think. But even then we had some weird hits on the EMF and it started to go off. And mind you, I'm in a group where there's a tour guide talking and I'm trying to like use my EMF detector like, slyly in the corner uh (laughs) while using my thermal camera (laughs) and trying to look around to see if i see anything and we did see there's a wheelbarrow in the basement that just is sitting in the corner Mm -hmm. we saw some weird temperature around that area but it could have been because that corner was really cold not necessarily Mm. because there was a spirit there right but it looked like a different color around the wheelbarrow than in anywhere else in the basement so right uh, mm -hmm, i don't know maybe Mm -hmm. But that was the only weird stuff that we experienced, although I fully think we freaked out every single person in our group.
0: <laughs> fully really for fun.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I, take, I, I take pleasure in, you know, freaking people out. You know this. So that's one that people generally see, and I actually have a picture I can post of him. Uh, there's a picture of him in one of the rooms that they point out on the tour, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And... That's about it for the stories. I guess people like see doorknobs turn, doors open and close, temperature changes, obviously you'll hear different things from ghost shows and what have you, but I don't know how legit any of those are. so today, the house has actually been declared a California historical Landmark and is registered with the National Park Service, but That's you know good. yeah, so it'll be there. It's a beautiful house. It's worth a visit. I think it's pretty awesome. I just you know. Think you I mean, should know what you're getting yourself. Into. I,
0: I've never been there, but I I actually want to go there. Even knowing, I, I just think it sounds like as a as a historical thing. If nothing else, I think
1: it sounds very cool. <laughs> I just wish they would give her more of a shout out of the positive things that she did, yeah. And Not just make her out to be this crazy lady who was into spiritualism, yeah. because truly, I don't think that's doing her any good but you know we're gonna leave it up to you as listeners mm-hmm. you make up your mind you have your opinion but i just did a lot of homework for you and again if you would like to read a book that is very good and has way more details than i even provided you with feel free to read captive of the labyrinth mm-hmm. sarah l winchester heiress to the rifle fortune by mary joe Ignafo. and with that This brings us to Creepy Critics Corner. Creepy Critics Corner. (laughs) What are you watching?
0: One of the things that uh, is approaching, and by the time this episode airs, I will have started. Uh, I'm about to start my 100 Days of Horror. 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 It starts for me this Thursday, but since this episode will be coming out next Tuesday, I will be a couple movies in. And 100 Days of Horror is 100 horror films I have never seen in the 100 days leading up to Halloween. So I'm banking a lot of stuff I've never seen before to get started. But I have watched a handful of things over the last uh, couple weeks. I'm not going to talk about Winchester because that movie is stupid, <laughs> but I. <laughs> it is. It's it's stupid. It's stupid, Gabby. But if you want
1: to watch a stupid movie, watch it. If that. you want to watch
0: the fact that Jason Clark is a charisma black hole, go nuts. But
1: fun fact, part of it was actually filmed at the Winchester house. So if you're curious about the house, you can watch it. But also you can
0: tell when they switch to a scene that wasn't. Oh, for sure. it's very obvious. That was my other thing. I'm like, if you're going to use the Winchester house, use the Winchester house. Like, it is a waste of a real cool space. I I have feelings about that film. I could do a whole podcast on my feelings about that film. I will not bore you. Anyway, uh, I recently rewatched. This was a rewatch for me. I saw this in theaters when it came out back in 2015, I want to say. There's a movie called The Final Girls. It is an utter delight. It is a, a comedy slasher film if you're looking for something to watch in these summertime days, it it really kind of hits all those buttons. For those of you who are fans of slasher films, you're going to s- see it hit on all of the tropes, uh, and the the basic premise of it is a it's a real good cast. A a girl whose mother had starred in a Friday the Thirteenth style slasher film called Camp Bloodbath. They get in a car accident and die, and her mom dies, and this is. Not really a spoiler. Oh this God, happens. Spoiling it? No, this is like the first five minutes of the film. Oh, okay. If 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 you've seen a trailer for this movie, this is given away. Got it. So it's it's a couple years later, and uh, she ends up going to a marathon for camp cl- for Camp Bloodbath, and uh, a fire breaks out, and she gets pulled with a few of her friends into the movie. And I I have to say, like I I'd kind of forgotten how good this movie is it's so much fun it hits again it hits all those tropes but it's also really heartfelt it's very sweet it's uh a lot of horror films are a a lot about dealing with grief and this is definitely one of them that touches on that um it's a good time it's one I'm also kind of surprised I think people outside of, of horror fans are, it's not really on their radar, but it's one that I recommend to
1: a lot of my non-horror friends. I've heard of this movie and I actually wanted to see it. It's so good. I haven't seen it yet, but it looks really good. It's
0: one that I, I really highly recommend. Also, Jaws. I always watch Jaws this time of year and I did a rewatch of Jaws. You can never go wrong.
1: Bruce the Shark is my hero.
0: All right, Gabby, I'm <laughs> watching.
1: I haven't really been watching anything because all I've been doing is reading that damn book. (laughs) So- truthfully i'm gonna leave the creepy critics corner up to kim this week so having said that i think that brings us to the end thank you so much for listening um if you don't know we have an instagram and we like to post pictures about our episodes on there so you have a nice visual reference to all of the audio things we talk about it is ghoulish tendencies podcast feel free to check us out on there go ahead and go to apple podcasts and subscribe on there or on spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast that way you know when our next episode is coming out and we always appreciate any reviews that you have too so we also have patreon which is ghoulish tendencies podcast we Mm -hmm. also have twitter which is ghoulish podcast Mm -hmm. we also have a facebook page which is ghoulish tendencies podcast if you're not getting the drift by now then maybe question yourself um but having said that stay (laughs) Looky <laughs>